Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Hello, this is Reverend Don Lewis coming to you from beautiful Florida, and you are listening to Elder Radio, and tonight we will be discussing spells, and uh, I imagine that uh, that will get some people's interest, and uh, I do certainly have some things to say about spells, but first, a few words about Elder Radio itself. Uh, If you have not uh, already listened to Elder Radio, what we have been doing is that Corellian First Priestess, uh, the Most Reverend Stephanie Neal, Corellian First Elder, uh, Sir Ed Hubbard, and myself will each speak on the same subject once a month, giving our three points of view. And the reason for this uh, is, one, to um, to, uh, directly communicate with people what those points of view are, but also to show how we can have different ways of looking at the same thing uh, within the um, encompassing nature of our tradition and um, see it in various different ways and still be in agreement. And this is something that I think is very important for people. I think people very often think that even small differences in how they look at something constitute something they must disagree over. Whereas in reality, it can reveal the nuances of a situation. What I find interesting about Elder Radio is that each of us does approach every one of these situations from our own distinct point of view and brings out different aspects of them. And I think that that is actually quite important. And uh, I think it's what we each should do in approaching everything that we learn and uh, practice in our lives, we should try to see it from different points of view and suss out the nuances of it, not just what it looks like on the surface. Very often people are content with surface images, uh, which are not necessarily all encompassing understanding. And I think it's very important to delve deeply into subjects to truly understand them and to examine them, again, from different points of view, uh, because things do look differently when you approach them in different ways. Um, When you consider something, for example, whatever the subject may be, in terms of its practicalities uh, versus its relation to um, spirituality versus its relation to history or anthropology, many different aspects of that, of that subject may come to the fore as you look at it in different ways. And I think this is very important. Now, moving on to our subject this month, uh, we're going to talk about spells. And spells are certainly something that people who have an interest um, in metaphysics and particularly in witchcraft or paganism are often very interested in. Uh, But, you know, the term is very broad, and people often make a a fundamental mistake in how they approach it. Um, 
in that they think they need to have compendiums of other people's ready-made spells to work with, um, which is not at all how I approach the concept of spellcraft. Um, a spell is basically a manifestation intended to produce a certain effect in oneself or the world. And there are myriad ways of approaching this. I've heard spells described as being prayers with props, but in fact, no props are necessary. Though you may choose to use them because they can be helpful, particularly uh, if you have affinity for them. But they are never necessary. Uh, the word spell itself, I believe, comes from spiel, which means to speak. And historically, it was often the case that um, a spell would be enacted or accompanied by an incantation which was spoken, sung, or chanted. But this, too, is not necessary. Uh, it's just one possible way of approaching it. When I wrote the Corellian um, clergy training materials in their current form, I tried to approach spellcraft from as broad a view as I possibly could. And rather than just give people spells in, in like a glorified cookbook, which you so often see, I tried to tell them how this is done and why it is done so that they could make their own. Uh, I've had people ask me, where is all the advanced material? Only to find the person that I was speaking to did not understand what advanced material was. They thought it was just a bigger cookbook. Um, advanced material is um, what gives you the ability to work without a cookbook. Um, if we compare it directly to actual cooking, if you truly know cooking and you truly understand it, you do not need recipes. You know what the different ingredients are, what they do, how they must be prepared, and you put them together um, in ways that you believe will, will go together well. And hopefully, usually, come out with a good dish. Uh, it's perfectly fine to use a recipe, but if you really know what you're doing, it is not really necessary. Or you can use a recipe and jump off from it to, to improvise different ways of interpreting that same recipe. And this is um, advanced cooking skill. It's the same in magic. Um, if you have to go running for a spell book to do magic, you don't really understand magic. Every one of the spells in that spell book was created by someone, uh, quite possibly from scratch, at some point in history, even if they're very old. Um, and that person who created that spell or those spells did so because they understood the principles behind it and whatever techniques they were using. And there are, there are so many techniques. Most of them... Um, come down to sympathetic magic, the idea that, that you can enact a, a ritual um, spell using uh, items that stand for the, the physical reality they are meant to affect. That is sympathetic magic. Uh, the idea that you use one thing to represent what you are trying uh, to affect. For example, um, in many spells, something green will be used to represent prosperity that is desired in one way or another. 
Um, and most of spell work works on this premise. It also can work on the native um, energies of items such as stones or herbs. When we work with stones, we're, we're working um, sometimes representationally, much more often with their actual energies. For example, um, malachite is a stone that is often used for growth and expansion. Uh, lapis lazuli for uh, psychic opening and communication. Um, rose quartz for uh, emotional issues uh, and often for particularly self-love, also romantic love, and so on through many different stones. And how do you divine the, the meaning and energy of that stone? Well, there are certainly traditional meanings. Also, some people will go by how it feels to them. Um, commonly in contemporary metaphysics, it's based on color affinity. And, um, but I would say that um, there are many different ways to approach both that and, uh, and most spell components that you might use. Again, you don't really need components, but they can be helpful. Um, I think that it's very important to not be bound by a perceived need for things whether in spell work or otherwise. What you need is energy, not things. And that energy is within you and all around you. And it is the directing of the energy that actually causes the effect. The things are only to help you to do that for the most part. Um, as I say, in some cases, we're using the native energy of items. Uh, in most cases, we're using sympathetic magic. And even when we're using the native energy of items in a manner of speaking, uh, this too is sympathetic magic because you're uh, trying to draw the effect that correlates to that energy. Um, simplest spells uh, include things like carrying a stone in your pocket to uh, attract its native quality. You might carry a tiger's eye for better communication or safety during travel. Um, Candle magic is a, a very uh, popular form of magic, relatively, relatively ancient. Candles themselves go back well into antiquity, but they were not common uh, in antiquity. And they were not, in fact, common um, until just a few hundred years ago. Uh, it was much more common to use um, less expensive uh, types of lighting and for poor people, when they had access to candles farther back, it was usually tallow candles, which are very different from what we use today. Uh, I did a vlog on the subject of candles recently, so perhaps I'm going into too much detail. But um, people, um, people have done magic since before recorded history, probably as long as people have been people. And one can use terms like spell and incantation and so forth in very precise ways, but generally speaking, they refer to, and um, again, when I wrote the degree materials, what I wanted to do was to approach this from the how and the why, not, necess not necessarily specific examples, although I gave some, 
because uh, I know people like that. But, um, for example, in approaching a witch's bottle, uh, I gave them a, an example of a witch's bottle they could make, but I also spoke about what it was and what you can bring to bear in making it, a witch's ladder, the same. And I was amazed by um, some of the creativity that our, our students over the years have displayed in adapting that witch's ladder spell. Uh, some of them have created beautiful works of art, uh, which would not have occurred to me as an interpretation of that technique until I saw them do it, which um, is one of the best things a teacher can experience. Because, you know, a good teacher must be excelled by their students. If the teacher is not excelled by their students, they were not a good teacher. And so when I see students come up with new and different ways of doing uh, techniques that I have taught them or people who are taught by me have taught them, I find that wonderful and exciting uh, because it means it got through. Um, there are certain schools of thought in the world where they say, where they will tell you that um, the teacher just wasn't able to get the ideas through to the student, and that's why their, their system is broken. Uh, but if the teacher couldn't get the ideas through to the student, they were not a good teacher. And uh, in my mind, that is a very important point. Um, but with spell work, for me, it, can, it encompasses pretty much all acts of power in terms of how I would use the term, uh, including, including certain techniques of meditation, uh, such as soul retrieval, which I would say we could describe as a spell. And I have described it so, uh, which probably the most powerful technique that I have found for addressing serious issues. Um, burning spells, uh, I've also found to be very powerful for uh, addressing issues, although uh, I think every person will have their own idiosyncrasies in terms of what will work best for them, and that's how it should be. Uh, we're all different, and our differences is part of what allows us to move forward. Um, I think um, the fact that we do come to life and to magic and to everything else with different skill sets and different attitudes is what allows us to inspire each other, to motivate each other, to give each other new and better ideas, which moves us forward. If we were all the same, I think we would be uh, far less well-equipped uh, for the mission of uh, learning and growing in life. So I think that we must value our differences, and this is true in spell work as well. One of the things that I've often seen is that people who have, um, I'm, going, I'm, I'm going, to, going to be blunt and say limited knowledge, get very upset when they see someone do something differently. People who have more advanced knowledge do not. Um, they may or may not agree with how the other person is doing it for one reason or another, but they're not going to be upset about it because they will have, have confidence in what they know and what they do. And I think in many cases, most cases, they will be inspired by a different point of view, not frightened or angered by it. And I think that you can usually tell the confidence level that a person has in their own abilities by whether different ways of doing things inspire or anger them. 
And um, I think that that is um, a point of greater importance than um, is generally given. With spellcraft, again, uh, I often find that people, people of limited background often have very hidebound ideas, um, which are in part caused by that limited background. If you've actually studied magic and um, all that goes with it, you will know that people have approached these things from all kinds of angles. And you generally won't think there's just one way to do something. Uh, if you do, I think that is a little bit of hubris. Uh, you may prefer a certain system, but um, you know, my grandmother had the attitude that uh, in all of the world's religions, people pray. And in all of the world's religions, they get response to their prayers, uh, some more than others. Uh, all religions have their examples of miraculous happenings. And you're left to make one of two assumptions. Well, one of three assumptions. Either um, only one is right and all the others are lying or deceived, uh, or none of them are right uh, and none of these things are real, or all of them are real. And deity comes to the person and to uh, their life on an individual basis. And that um, our conceptions are not limiting on deity. So when we look at spell work, there are, again, so many ways of approaching it. Um, and if you ask people from around the world who practice magic in different ways, they will generally all tell you that it works for them. And I do not see any reason to second-guess that. I may disagree with some of their assumptions. I do not assume that they're not having an actual experience for the most part. Um, I won't say I never make that assumption, but rarely. Uh, and usually because I've, I've seen some reason to think it. Um, but generally speaking, I feel that it, it's a wide-open territory with endless variations. And while you may have your preferences, uh, you should never assume that what someone else is doing, because it is different from what you're doing, is therefore uh, unsuccessful or wrong. In fact, I think you could be caught up short by making that assumption. Um, rather, it's simply a different way of approaching it. And that brings us back to Elder Radio. Because what we're doing here is approaching these issues in different ways. I'm sure that when Lady Stephanie does um, her program on this or any other subject we're covering, she will approach the issue differently than I do and say different things. It does not mean we're in disagreement. It means we've approached it differently. Uh, I definitely know that Sir, Sir Ed will do that. Um, he uh, is known for approaching things differently as uh, – was uh, our late first elder, uh, the beloved Lady Bitterwind, who also approached all situations from very original perspectives. And this was incredibly instructive and is incredibly instructive. Um, one, of the con one of the things that has been a topic of conversation, my world, um, recently, 
is that uh, that Sir Edward can be controversial. And why would he be controversial? Well, one of the big reasons is that he does approach things from different angles that make people think about them. A lot of people don't like to think. I, on the other hand, and Lady Stephanie, and I think Corellians in general do like to think. And uh, being shown a new perspective is a wonderful thing, in my opinion. And um, I think that that's probably, well, not quite where I'm going to leave this broadcast. I, I do have one more thing. I want to go back to a comment that I made about studying uh, magic, religion, culture, history. Um, if you actually study pagan history, magical history, metaphysical history, one of the things you will come to are the, are, is the fact that it is rarely it has rarely been done in ways that were as cut and dried as a, a D and D game. Uh, I was asked about pantheons in a recent vlog, and I pointed out that pantheons really are a modern academic construct. Someone from from uh, the ancient uh, the ancient world or surviving pagan religions probably would not understand the concepts. They did not have anything like that uh, in the sense of a rigid pantheon that had only these specific figures that you could deal with. Uh, they were much more wide open. Even though they might have particular deities that were patronized by the state, um, they um, were not the same thing as a modern academic idea of pantheon. The only pantheon um, in the ancient world was the building in Rome. Otherwise, everything was mixing. And uh, this is also true for magic. People, people were, were and are borrowing from um, systems all over the place all the time. That's always been true. And every now and then you'll hear people say, oh, it's so terrible. People aren't staying in the lines anymore. And that really means they don't have a good grasp of magical history because no one ever stayed in the lines. Um, although at the same time, there are probably always people complaining about it because people love to complain. Um, it's not a productive habit, but a lot of people love it. So I think that I will sum, sum my thoughts on spell work up in the following way, that a spell is an act of power, which can be approached in multitudinously different ways. Um, but what it comes down to is that you use it uh, to affect yourself or the world around you, usually through sympathetic magic. Um, and that the diversity of abilities within spell work is the glory of the art. And so with that, I will thank you for listening. And until next time, may you blessed be.
Thank mm-hmm. you.